0: It is Mrs. Doubtfire. That is the film we are discussing today here on the Bluff Council. If you enjoy discussing films as much as Evan and I do, definitely consider subscribing to our Spotify channel or our YouTube channel so you can see our faces. Actually, probably don't do that. Thanks for listening. Gift from Monique
1: for my birthday. Ooh, ooh. Movies logbook.
0: I, I like, yeah. well, so what it, like, is it, is it like a bound? What's the inside?
1: It's like you fill out for each movie. Each two pages is a movie, and then it says like,
0: like you can write like title, notes? rating,
1: genre, storyline or plot. And you write it in. My favorite part was you write it in. Memorable quotes, critical thoughts, director, screenplay, cinema, and you and you rate it and you talk and you write your thoughts.
0: Wow, Nicole, why don't you love me? <laughs>
1: All right, so on a scale of one to ten, how much self-control do you think it took me to not appear in this episode in full drag? Uh, uh,
0: uh, All of it? Like all of the control? (laughs) A hundred percent control? Yeah. Uh, You're in control of yourself, because I was expecting it. I was, and it crossed my mind too. I was like, if I had a wig, I'd do it, but I don't I don't... I don't. Yeah,
1: I have a wig. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was it was a lot of it was a long long consideration. Just staring like, okay, maybe at maybe I'll it just and... put maybe I'll just put on makeup. Maybe that'll be my compromise. I'll just put on lipstick and eyeliner. I didn't. I'm sorry, but you know, can't be too careful these days. Are you sorry, or yeah, or are you welcome? <laughs> That's one. I'm sorry for me, because <laughs> I would have had a great time. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: Everyone else might have canceled us. I don't know.
1: Yeah, not not everything ages well, Mrs. Doubtfire. Speaking of Segway Woo! Kings, <laughs> uh. <laughs>
2: love
1: that defeated. <laughs> Hello, dear. Robin Williams, a man who'd do anything.
2: <laughs> back off! Kind of time here
1: <laughs> to see his kids, Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, we're excited. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> um viewer recommendation episode yeah can't can't go wrong with a viewer recommendation episode particularly from uh, such a great viewer Yes, our our new internet friend uh, Jonathan <laughs> Thames aka yeah. the multimedia mega fan yes um, who uh, is one of the the people that we've been uh, fortunate enough to meet uh, during this this process never-ending hellscape (laughs) that is the uh, the bluff council Uh, but uh, uh, Jonathan has his own movie review channel and uh, seems like a, a lovely man and uh, so we encourage you to go check his stuff out unless he turns out to be some terrible criminal in which case this, was, this never we never had this. We yeah,
0: we will delete this. And, and I knew it from the beginning. <laughs> yeah,
1: I reserve the right to to pull back to my To all at the any nice time.
0: things we say about him.
1: <laughs> yeah. But he seems like a great guy. <laughs> yeah, it seems great. Seems
0: great. For now. <laughs> <Yeah>. For now. <laughs> We're just kidding. Thank you so much uh, Jonathan for doing this. Thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate it. How about yeah. Jonathan, speaking of, why don't you set up the film that we're about to discuss?
2: Hey, what's up, guys? Keith and Ev. I appreciate the invite onto the show. I'm a big fan. I really like your discussions and enjoy how you guys break things down. Uh, my name is Jonathan Tames. I'm from the Multimedia Mega Fan channel. And the movie that I wanted to introduce for tonight's discussion is actually a movie that I grew up with being Probably my favorite comedy throughout the duration of my childhood, at least. Um, And that's 1993's Mrs. Doubtfire, starring Robin Williams. This movie left a huge impact on me as a kid. It was actually the movie that introduced me to Robin Williams' work. And as a child who was the product of divorce at an early age, I completely related to the premise of this movie. And it really just... it, It really spoke to me as a good feel-good comedy as a kid.
1: All right. Thank you, Jonathan. That's right, Keith. It's Mrs. Doubtfire.
0: Hello! <laughs> hello. That's the That's the thing I remember most of this whole film, is that, is mm. that,
1: hello! <laughs> I yell, I randomly yell hot jambalaya a lot mm, in my life. That's good. No, with no, no, no context. Hot jumble, <laughs> <Hot jambalaya. laughs> I just like yell that randomly? <laughs> yeah. It's great.
0: Yeah. This, the, this movie, I was excited when he picked it. One, because it's a comedy. Right up my wheelhouse. Thank you for that. I'm glad it wasn't something you'd like. Uh, <laughs> so I was, I was happy about that. And I just remember going into the, like, just having him say, like, we're gonna do 93's, you know, miss Doubtfire. I was like, that's fun. That'll just be, that's a fun time. And then you watch the film, and it's not as fun as a time as what I remember as a child.
2: Want me to pretend like everything's all right? Put on a happy face, smile? Jesus, Miranda, you took my children away from me.
0: There's a lot really? of, there's a, well, I, there's, let me, let me rephrase that. There's more heft than I gave it credit for. As a kid, you, I just, I missed, I missed all of it. You know, like I missed so much of it, of what the film is really about and the, and, and the dramatic moments uh,
2: that are in it that I believe Jonathan references. When this movie came out, I, it really, I mean, it was still obviously a drama comedy, but the elements of drama seemed so undertoned when I was a kid, like that it just, it pretty much seemed predominantly like a comedy. Now, watching it as an adult, I found it interesting that there were a few things that I felt entirely different about.
0: I think it's a good place to start. Tell me the difference. I assume you're in a similar boat. You haven't seen it in a long time, I'm assuming. You know, Mm -hmm. the difference from watching it as a kid to watching it now, did anything jump out to you?
1: Uh, not really, oddly enough. Uh, the thing that jumped out to me, I think, is that it's still great. <laughs> like, that, all. I was almost kind of surprised, because so many things you remember fondly from your youth, and then you check it out again, and you're like, eh, yeah, I remember why I liked it when I was a kid, but it's now, it's sort of like, whatever. But it's still great. Like, it's still a really, really great film. I think it I believe it was the first PG-13 movie I got to go see in theaters. So I have a pretty vivid memory of going to see Mrs. Doubtfire in the theaters because I was so excited that I was like going with my parents to watch an adult film, even though that's probably kind of comical now in hindsight, but I was nine years old or something. Yeah. And, but that was just the reverence that my mom had for Robin Williams. It's like my mom doesn't like d- dirty comedies at all, especially when we were kids. Like anything even halfway dirty was like, that's off. But uh, loved Robin Williams, so I just always remember loving the film, and as I watched it the other night, I was like, this is a good movie. This is, this is a good, good movie. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I, there was nothing revelatory about, like, changes. I just thought, like, oh, I want to watch this more.
0: <laughs> so so none of, do you, you don't look back and, and kind of see any more adult nature to this film? You you, no, you feel I like think... as a young child you were like, I get exactly what's happening here.
1: <laughs> kind of. Like I know that's gonna sound, that's right on brand for me to Certainly be pretentious <laughs> and, and pretend to be smarter than I am. But I really I remember really relating or under empathizing more with Sally Field as a kid. Wow. Like I loved Robin Williams, and obviously he's hilarious, and I liked him, and I, I wanted her to forgive him, but it, everything she did seemed justified to me as a kid. It was nah. like, of course you're mad. This guy's an animal. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this guy is, is out of control. That so is the so that, you know, that's, that's what a lot of people, and I think Jonathan too, say they recognize more as you get older, but it's like, oh, I saw that early on. This guy had, this guy had problems. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ha! What's up? That is absolutely priceless for you as <laughs> such a young child because as a as a kid 1000% uh, that he's the protagonist of the film it's told through his perspective you're meant to identify with him and especially as a child, you don't, you don't, you don't want to see the adulthood in anything. You can't, like, except <laughs> for you, apparently. Apparently you're like, yeah, those kids should be doing their homework. What are they doing? <laughs> what? That's insane. That's insane. Well, dude. no,
1: because they play it to such extremes, which I get, which is like the point. But it's that that party scene at the beginning, the birthday party, of course. which is amazing, which I love. House of Pain, Jump Around, yeah. You Cannot Go Wrong, uh, him, him dancing on top of the piano or the table or whatever is classic. Uh, but you walk into that scene, you get it. And I think part of it too was that Sally Field in this film reminded me a little bit of my own mom. Mm-hmm. And because I loved my mom so much, and continue to, that's not a past tense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love my mom. Um, Currently. <laughs> like I could see her in this character and then I'd be like, yeah, I empathize because I could see how frustrating that would be is like you get completely undercut all the time by your, by your co-parent, by your partner and it's not just that like oh we had a little party when i said no it's that there's a fucking donkey in the living room and there's strange children <laughs> jumping on all the furniture and you know what i mean like that's uh, that's a little much you, you you can't can't tolerate that shit i'd kick them out of the house too
0: <laughs> i want to make a joke and we got to cut it though but i want to say donkeys and strange children sounds like my kind of party <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is, why do you got to cut that? <laughs> <laughs> as it's an just, adult, obviously, <laughs> I, I keep that party going. All right, we'll cut that idea. part.
0: <laughs> I mean, what you're talking about is, touches around what Jonathan brought up in his in his video as well. So, Jonathan, talk about it.
2: Daniel Hillard's character. I really didn't see him as much as the story center protagonist. He's still a likable guy and he's not a bad guy by any means, but he is the character who introduces all of the negative elements into the story and so in that way he is he's he is his own antagonist. And it's kind of an interesting story arc in that way. And I think that Robin Williams plays it well, most especially in the dramatic moments.
0: So I think Jonathan's correct in, in, in his assumption that Robin Williams is the problem in, in the film. He is the thing he has to overcome. He has to get out of his own way, he has to grow up. He's, he can't have llamas or, you know, zebras or whatever, donkeys eating
1: cake or whatever. It's not an African safari. I don't know. There was a lot Zebras. of weird animals
0: in there. A lot of weird animals. <laughs> not conducive to San Francisco. They can't live in that climate. <laughs> Oops. Oh, sorry. Do you, do you have any thoughts on, on Robin Williams' character in general? And, and maybe you can touch on his performance. I know you're a big performance guy.
1: Nope. <laughs> the end. It really is, obviously, the story of his uh, the story of his, if, whatever you want to call it, evolution or transformation in, in more ways than one. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it is an interesting concept to think about a film that, that you know, so clearly has him as the protagonist, but also as, a, as the antagonist in a way. I think that's an interesting concept. I hadn't thought of that before, where you're sort of the same you're, 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 you're the hero and you're also like the villain that has to be overcome is within you, that kind of thing, that's actually pretty pretty deep. Yeah. I'm gonna wanna think about that. Uh, Cause when you're a you kid, you probably see more. You didn't get you that as a young child?
0: As... You, you didn't get that as a young boy, you didn't realize? Because you knew everything else. You per- no, no. I was I was reading God.
1: science books while I was in the you know was in the theater, so I wasn't even hardly paying attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, when you're a kid, maybe you think more that like Sally Fields kind of the heavy that has to be overcome, and then even ex- uh, as an extension, Pierce Brosnan is like the enemy, the the infiltrator. But I can see that as you get older. Um, you see that they're, they're both pretty good people. Like Pierce yeah. Brosnan, even as a, even as a, as the villainous guy, is like a totally decent human being, yeah. uh, and just happens to be gorgeous. So that's that's you know, it's that's not the, his fault. The... We're, we're blessed. <laughs> guys like us hate guys
0: like you, and yeah. Pierce Brosnan. You have it so easy, you sons of bitches. Yeah, but I think... short,
1: furry, and funny. That's Keith, except tall. <laughs> yeah, tall,
0: furry, and funny, except for the top part down here. <laughs> Just a... yeah,
1: anything goes. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? You don't want to know. Talk about talk about African safari. <laughs> Probably think because of the beard that I'm really hairy, but uh,
2: I'm not shaved.
0: Pierce Brosnan, I think, is an interesting character as well, just because you, you you mentioned it. I feel like they wanted to push his character to the limit of being the bad guy. But in Mm -hmm. reality, he's not because they even have that scene, which I thought was super interesting now, where he meets his friend at the beach or at the at the pool. And he's like, yeah. yeah, And then he's clearly that like bro friend He's like, oh, who are these rugrats you're running around with? You're going to leave love and leave this lady any second. That's not your style. You know, and but he's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm a good guy, though. He, he yeah. you know, he's like, he's evolved. He's changed. I love those kids. I'm going to be around forever. I'm going to parent the hell out of those children.
1: Yeah. Like, so I just think... A... The, the worst thing he does is call Robin Williams a loser, which he is. <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> which is right. It's okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. they like, they really push him, but they don't go all the way. They don't... They don't they, this yeah. film... Well, does... it'd be
1: easier to go all the way. So it's almost like there's more... There's a lot more nuance, which we always talk about. Yeah. A lot more gray area where it's like, actually, like... It's not always so cut and dry in life. It yes. literally never is. Yes. So like, you know, yeah, you got to be conflicted. Yeah. Maybe Pierce Brosnan would be a better father figure to these kids. Yes. Even though Robin Williams is the funny protagonist of the film. Yes. Like that's all that that makes a film gives gives a film a little more depth.
0: Uh, absolutely. The gray area of this film is is something I definitely wanted to mention because. Seeing it so long, ago, so long ago, I didn't get any of that. I, all I wanted, I remember being like, Robin Williams is so fun, he's so funny, he loves his kids, he's like, why wouldn't you wanna be with that guy? And now, you, you, the, the film does a nice job of a balancing act, because that's really what the end message is. So that's really consistent throughout the whole thing. The end of the film is this monologue about how people can be good people, together, and people can be good people apart. You know, it, it one doesn't equal the other. So it's consistent, which I appreciate.
1: Totally. Uh, but but uh, back to Robin Williams a little bit yes, more sorry. and his character. <laughs> no, it's alright. D- it's D- it's easy to get distracted by Pierce Brosnan. I'll, I'll keep saying it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think Jonathan brings up too, is like, is is, is the way that Daniel Hillard, Daniel Hillod, uh, has to like lean into his kind of more ridiculousness a little more he has to lean into his immaturity to which is this which is this idea that i'm gonna go undercover dressed in drag as as a woman to be with my kids which is this really uh
2: out there idea and what's actually so interestingly ironic is that as this process develops and the further that he goes into this Reckless and irresponsible behavior, the further he goes into it, ironically, actually, the less reckless and irresponsible he overall becomes.
1: But that craziness, quote-unquote, leaning into that, embracing that, is what helps lead him, leads his life to, like, structure and a little more discipline. And it helps him grow as a human and helps him mature. And I think that's kind of neat. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's entertaining. But let me not just tell you what Jonathan says. Jonathan should tell you what Jonathan says.
2: Actually, let me tell you. Jonathan was saying... Oh, I'm just kidding. Jonathan. <laughs> the other thing that I totally didn't catch, there are a couple of scenes where it definitely shows him having to empathize with womanhood overall. Uh, being mugged on the street, and then the two scenes where she's kind of... he I'm sorry, I said she... <laughs> the dude does look like a lady. But the, the two scenes where he's... Very uncomfortably, sort of approached by the bus driver in an oncoming fashion. And those are kind of things that I didn't really pick up on or felt like carried a whole lot of significance to the movie as a kid. But watching it as an adult, I think I understand why those elements were chosen to put in there because overall, I think the movie actually is an interesting story about. Uh, human evolvement, about becoming a better person, a better parent.
0: What you're both touching on, what you just said and what Jonathan said as well, I don't necessarily, I don't relate those two things. And this is that we've had this conversation many, many times and will continue because I love comedy so much. The difficulty with comedies is to still try and be a good film, but then also get laughs. And also predominantly drive happiness and funny moment. You create funny moments that are relevant to this. Like that's really, really hard to do. What this film, what what I believe as I interpret Jonathan. If I'm misinterpreting what you're saying, feel free to come back in the comments and, and let us know. But as I interpret her, as I interpret what Jonathan was saying, he sees the comedy coming from Robin Williams his evolution through being a woman. And that process of being a woman really helps the comedy and helps him become the person he needs to be to, for this to. And I, I, not that I take issue with it, that's probably too strong, but I don't necessarily see it that way. I think the, uh, what I was a little disappointed in looking back, and I use that term loosely, in 2020, 2021, I should say, it's, it's much different. <laughs> to look back at a film. I look at the film today, and I believe the comedy is majority if not all coming from just the fact that a man is dressed as a woman. And that feels cheap. That feels cheap to me today. I say that again today. As a kid and in the 90s, it's a lot different of times. You could do that. You could play those things for laughs a lot easier. When, when Jonathan references the guy getting hit on, you know, the, the bus driver hitting on him.
1: I like that Mediterranean-looking woman. <laughs> Natural.
2: Healthy. Just the way God made you.
0: That doesn't motivate change within, within him. That has nothing to do with it. You know, him saying, oh, I have hot flashes. I'm a woman one day. These are funny bits. They, they, make, you, they make you chuckle a little bit, just isolated. But it doesn't equal development within the character. Him being a woman doesn't push his character forward. Him being with his kids and having to play the role of housekeeper is what pushes him forward. Not the fact that he's a woman. You he could have been a man. He could have been a man, but yeah. that's the role that he's in. So the laughs are being purely just the fact that it's silly and zany that a man's a woman now. Isn't that funny? And it's not. Unfortunately, I don't agree that it is. Like it's. I don't, like, it just feels cheap. Maybe I'm wrong. Your thoughts?
1: No, I think I probably fall maybe a little more in between you and Jonathan on this. Uh, Because I agree with the general sense that I don't think his, off the top of my head, I don't think his character uh, is gaining much, if anything, in terms of maturity or self-improvement. From the experience of being a woman, right. I, I don't think that is helping him grow. I think most of those things are more there for comedy sakes. And I do agree with you that it's it's more that he was he's forced himself into like a position of being an attentive guardian to these children, yeah. a caring and attentive guardian. And that has and no relevance what on grow.
0: sex whatsoever. Like that has no. But he could be an attentive man. He could be a a, yeah. a a male nanny or whatever, a male housekeeper.
1: Could be the same yeah. movie. Yeah, and I and I, I the part where maybe I come a little bit back away from that is that I don't think it's, and this is We start to get into a little minefield here, <laughs> but like I don't think it's I don't think it's in inherently cheap to get humor from. A man dressing as a woman, or a woman dressing as a man—it's certainly a much more—it's something we have to be a lot more aware of and sensitive about today, definitely. Um, but like, I think that is—that has always been. It—it uh, it, it doesn't have to come from like a, a a a mockery of one's sexuality to find humor in that. But I always what thought it is. Of, that's what this—that's what this film is.
0: That, those are where the jokes are coming they're they're like poking fun at being how how difficult it is to be a woman like that's where the, that's where it's coming from no?
1: well yeah a little bit but i mean i mean more like a mockery of, of like your actual sexuality like if you if you are a trans person
0: yeah that's it's films today have to be smarter than that well that's
1: for sure i mean they, they just smarter is a relative term too because every film today is stupid but <laughs> uh, they have to be more aware, they have to be more sensitive. To, I'm saying if you to, want to, to find that.
0: comedy. Like the comedy has to be more intelligent. It's much easier to pick the lowest common denominator and say, oh, that's, that's funny because it's different. That's it's something you wouldn't see, therefore it is funny. The intelligence comes from finding its place within the story and connecting it to the actual goals of your protagonist, or having some sort of relevance within the context of the but story. But I would say
1: that's exactly what this film is doing. They're connected to the story and to the goals of the protagonist. And no, I No, we just I, said,
0: we both agree that they are not. We both just agreed that him being a woman is not what pushes his character forward.
1: I don't believe that. No, no, that. I, I agree. But that, I think, is separate from his literal goals as a character, which is to spend more time with his children. So that enables that. Sure. Right. Is he's not allowed? Sure. To, but I'm to talking do from a comedy
0: with... standpoint. We're gonna we're gonna poke fun. Okay. We're gonna make. We're gonna have have this scenario be in jest. That comedy has to also derive from the plot and help move the plot forward, or 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 push character development forward. And I and I don't think either that that is done with either of those things. Him 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 getting mugged on the street or whatever, and him being like, "Back off, buddy." Has that's a comedy beat? That's just. Oh, that's a dude in there. You don't realize that that, that's a man and he could probably beat you up or whatever because a woman could never do that. You know, like, that's what we're making fun of
1: within these comedic beats. I guess, I guess my, I guess something, the one point I'm trying to make is that I think it's, like, it is, it's okay to admit that it's a funny concept that a a dad who's great at impressions and voices is this actor, like is is so driven crazy enough by losing his children that the only thing he thinks of is dressing up as an as a grandmother and becoming a nanny for the kids. Like I think that that's an okay funny concept on its own. Agreed. You know what I mean? Like yes. that that's that's not inherently or intentionally, I don't know, you know, malicious or offensive or even insensitive. I think the execution of said material can be that way, and this film does tread that line and goes over it a little bit once in a while. Yes. And I agree that there's some playing it for laughs in ways that would not fly uh, today. And uh, the most egregious scene I think that gets referenced is when the kids discover him standing up peeing.
2: He's half man, half woman. What? Yes, I what? swear! What I did
1: what? No, just calm down.
2: Please. Just relax, please. He's gonna get it in the balls. Yeah. She's got him.
1: She's got everything. <laughs> That's not great. Yes. Um, although, you know, we talk about, too, it's like not, we don't need to go back and, and uh, hold a trial for all these things made 20 or 30 years ago or more. Because that, you know, in, in the mid, mid to early 90s, like, a lot less was known. So I don't think we have to hash and rehash that stuff. Watching it now, I was honestly surprised that it was not worse around those issues I, I in my head without having seen it in quite a few years i was like oh i bet you uh, i bet there's a lot of cringe i bet there's going to be a lot of cringe in this movie um and there wasn't that much there wasn't that much and, and i remember thinking that this film was progressive at the time for showing uh a gay couple so so prominently his his brother and <laughs> uncle frank and aunt Jack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I always thought, I remember being a little boy and being like, wow, Yeah. That, you know, don't see that in every movie. Uh,
0: I think that's really interesting. I think you, I hate to give you credit, but I think in an, in an episode, we have to track it down, I guess, but you made a great point that what we, what we think of progressive as today in the future will be closed-minded. Yeah. And at this time, I believe in 93, that this film thought it was being progressive. I, b- I do believe that. They're like, yeah, let's yeah. Look, at, look at how accepting we are. It's, this is all okay. Like, none of it, the film doesn't say any of these things are not okay. So, so none of it's mean-spirited. But now yeah. you look back because we've grown even further and I go, mm, they shouldn't have done this. Blah, 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 blah. So yes, that is easy to fall into that.
1: Okay. Well, let's move on to some lighter stuff.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> where,
1: does this, where does this rank for you in terms of Robin Williams... Performances and films.
0: This is his most memorable performance. This is his most memorable performance. I will I will say that I will say Mrs. Doubtfire. If you if you polled people, name one Robin Williams film. This is the film that they name. I'm only hesitant to say Goodwill Hunting because I truly love his performance in that film.
1: Yeah, an amazing,
0: amazing. uh, just such a great, wow. I love that. I love his role. Love what he did with it. But that might be more personal. I just think when you think Robin Williams, I think you think Mrs. Doubtfire. I feel like especially because of the comedy, I think this is his this is his defining role. Agree? Disagree?
1: I I probably agree. I probably agree because it's really a role that lets him do everything that he can do. Yeah. Um I mean from top to bottom, he he's got great dramatic moments. He's got obviously great comedic moments, and then he gets to do his impressions. He gets to riff. He gets to improvise. Uh, it's really the whole Robin Williams yeah. package distilled into one film,
0: and some dramatic um, moments too. Like he had, and it shows a little bit of that range in this in the film too.
1: Yeah, totally. So I'm I'm inclined to agree. I don't think there's I think there's literally no one else in the world, now or then, who could have played this role and had it be such and. Ha- helped the film become such a monumental success because it was hugely successful hugely popular um and is is i think for many particularly children of that era uh, an all-time favorite uh so i i can't imagine anyone but robin williams being able to do this to a a degree of
0: one one person could do it but not to take anything away from robin williams but jim carrey could do it
1: no no. <laughs> Definitely not in 1993. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In
0: 93? Yeah, I mean, uh, yes. In 93, Jim Carrey was unknown. So, no.
1: But well, no, we're but just going Jim acting, Carrey,
0: talent, ability. Like, we're going ability? Jim Carrey could do it.
1: No. Jim Carrey does not have <laughs> a... <laughs> a. Jim Carrey does not have the the natural... Paternal warmth that Robin Williams has. Even I love Jim Carrey in films like Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, and some of his more dramatic roles. He does an amazing, amazing job. But even in those roles, he doesn't have that paternal warmth, um, and, and just like that, that familial,
0: you sure. know, in,
1: endearment. Like that's just not something that he has. Uh,
0: uh, advantage. Not that he doesn't have it. I would never say that. But advantage, Robin Williams. If we're gonna. Put their you know baseball cards or basketball cards up against each other like Robin Williams would win in that,
1: but I'm not saying he I would be you, better. I think you naturally you naturally want to hug Robin Williams. Correct. Correct. I don't I don't think that about Jim Carrey. Like I have no I mean, offense to Jim Carrey, who I yeah, Jim no. I would like a hug. <laughs> you want to um, do more than hug him? Uh... <laughs> we'll start. We'll start with a hug, Jim. We'd start, start with, with a the... hug and then go to dinner,
0: and then kind of see. what
1: <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't think, and I, and I also think, on the other side, I think Jim Carrey, again, particularly at in those early years of his career, would have been too inclined to make the comedic stuff even more over the top. Yeah. Be really, really physical and like his rubber face, his famously rubber face doing all sorts of wild stuff. And that's not what this is.
0: I, again, I'm not trying to make the claim that he would be a better version for this. I don't want anyone but Robin Williams playing this. You said no one could do it. I think he could do it, and he would do a very good job. It'd be a different film. Anyone
1: could do it and do awful. No,
0: (laughs) all right. Well, I feel like I I, I should have looked this up,
1: but I feel like I heard it was going to be John Travolta for a minute. Like he was in the running. There was a couple others. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It'd be painful.
0: I would be curious to hear that those those list of names, if if we could find them. Yeah,
1: we'll do. We'll put them up. We'll put them up on the screen.
0: I'm glad none of you got this role. (laughs) Uh,
1: Jonathan, I think, talks about the, 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 being a a child of divorce. Yes. And how impactful that was, this film, Mm -hmm. Jonathan? Jonathan, do you want
2: to? Jonathan, did you care to weigh in? (laughs) As I said before, being the product of divorce at an early age, I still saw this movie as just a big, silly, fun experience.
1: Children, do you want to talk about divorce? Yeah, yeah, of course I do. As a child of divorce, and as you, a child of what should be a divorce. Divorce. No, I'm just kidding. No that's, no, terribly... me. no, that's the joke I was going to make, but you're right. Oh, okay, wait. You make it, because if your mom happens to watch us, I want her to still like me. Okay, go back, go back, go back. As a child of divorce, and.
0: As a child who parents should be divorced, I can. I can...
1: <laughs> that's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think it's interesting because I think, yeah, for, for children of the 90s, which even though you and I were both born in the early 80s, early we part grew of the up, 80s. We grew up kind in the of, 90s. It grew up in the, in the 90s. Yeah. Um, I think this movie really resonates for that, for that audience. Um, for me, my parents didn't get a divorce until like 97, 98, so this movie, I never connected it as much because it wasn't happening at the time I saw this movie. When I saw this with both of my parents, I was like, "It'll never happen to me." Famous last word. It'll happen to you if you're a kid watching this right now. They're gonna split up. Please. Odds are. Don't, odds don't are. Children. They God, might tell you they so won't. Sorry. They might say that we'll never do that. They are They don't know. Life is hard. Marriage is hard. <laughs> children, children, there's so much to say. There's so much. Don't oh. believe them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What, listen. What? Whatever happens, I just want to say, whatever happens, just know in your heart that it is one hundred percent your fault.
1: Your fault. That it is you your did this. fault. It is your fault. And they, they used to have love. They used to have happiness. <laughs> they used to have everything. Your mom had her body. <laughs> Jesus. Yes.
0: Yes. You killed their passion for one another.
1: That's you. Yeah. So you could sit around and play video games. That's what. They, yeah. That's why they sacrificed their love and their bodies.
0: <laughs> you selfish, selfish son you of piece, a bitch.
1: Piece of shit. Get back on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's it, right? That's the end of the show. Yeah, That's the end of the movie. Like, in history. It? Like, not just this episode.
1: Yeah. That's... yeah. Divorce. It's a great divorce movie. It nails it. It's as far as divorce movies go, it's one of the it's one of the best. In turn especially in terms of like lighthearted divorce. Like to to to, to be able to make you feel <laughs> good at the end, to give you a little hope. Do you think this you movie know. gives you
0: hope at the end? It's a good question. Do you see this as much like *Children of Men*? What do you see at the end of this? <laughs> yeah, it's just like feel, *Children I of I Men*, I see a dystopian future. What do you see?
1: I, I, I think there's hope, but but I think what this film does a good job of is that they don't get back together, and there's not even necessarily hope that they're going to. Like there's a little bit maybe, but that's not the point. You, there's still hope and happiness in their separation, and that is a very that is a very delicate balance to strike. Yes. And I, and I think the film does a really great job. Like, we're all going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. We all have love in our hearts and that's good enough. Yeah. And that, that I think resonates, is probably the part that resonates the most to kids whose parents went through a divorce. It's like, okay, they might not get back together. This isn't going to be a storybook ending in that way, but we're all going to be all right. Mrs. Doubtfire says so.
0: Yeah. That I agree with. I, uh, I appreciate them not getting together From a film standpoint and from a message standpoint, from a general message standpoint, if you're going to make a film about divorce, letting people know that that's okay. It's not a death sentence. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of your family. It's not the end of your happiness. Like, that is a great message. A lot of pop culture looks at the other way as as a marriage failing is a failure for everyone and a failure for life in general. And that's just incorrect. Like, some people should be divorced, like my parents. (laughs)
1: Well, yeah, and the majority of marriages fail, and we keep doing it, so like, it's okay, there's clearly, it's not always a death sentence or the sign of a failure of your life, because literally, pick two people in the store, one of them's gone through a divorce if they're married, like, that's that's, that's the way it goes. Also, two Christmases, guys, it's not all bad. I mean, my dad's (laughs) never gotten me Christmas presents, so I haven't gotten to enjoy that, but... But, but I hear it's
0: nice. <laughs>
1: I hear it must be nice. <laughs> oh, you get Pierce Brosnan as a stepdad. These kids lucked out.
0: Yeah. He's, that guy's loaded, right?
1: Yeah, well, who cares? <laughs> Could be broke. <laughs> Action's a little kind of muddled. There, really? So. Well, so is your tan. <laughs> Other performances just as a roundup. I think Sally Field is amazing. I think she does a great job with what I've heard. I uh, like I've heard people say that her character is not, she doesn't have that much to work with. And she, she seems like the heavy and uh, is like the killjoy all the time. And again, I never saw it that way. Like, there's once or twice where you're like, okay, Sally. Like, l- lighten up a little bit. But overall, I think she has some really humorous moments. Um, she's she I think she's likable. Like, I don't think she's being super unreasonable. And so that makes me like her character and think she does a great yeah. job.
0: I don't dislike anyone. I don't yeah. dislike one character... From an emotional standpoint, I, I re, like especially now. Even back then, I didn't, but even now, I even tend to agree with Sally Field more, which I think Jonathan mentions.
2: The person that I feel like you really empathize with more when watching this as an adult is actually Sally Field's character, in, in my opinion. I don't know. What do you guys think?
0: I look at Sally Field like, oh, yeah, today you obviously when you were six, but me is thirty-eight. I say, yeah, Sally Field, you're right. Get out of that marriage. It's not right. <laughs> yeah. It's not right for yeah. you. <laughs> like, this isn't working. Yeah. You will be better off without him. So do that. And I get it.
1: Pierce Brosnan, obviously great. This is, this is honestly the role I think of when I think of Pierce Brosnan. It's like, I know Bond, but those Bond movies were almost all pretty awful. Um, but this is what it is. Like, GoldenEye? this is Pierce Brosnan. Huh?
0: Goldeneye, that video game is legendary.
1: Yeah, yeah, the video game is better than the movie. <laughs> This is a role I was jealous. As an aside, I would like to play this kind of role. Yeah. Just, but I, I would be just a little smarmier. Yes. But this is like, I, I this is the role I should play. And then just a, you know, supporting role, the guy who thinks he's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'd kill it. Write me a role. would you, Keith? Setting goals is the first step to making the invisible visible. Buddha said that.
0: Fucking Buddha.
2: You look so swole, baby.
1: Book season, bro. Love the Fiddler on the Roof reference. Now the, now you get it. Now, now you understand
0: it. I did, I did. I did when I got it, I was like, oh, cultured.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> You're it. welcome. One joke. Oh, but look at this nice thing we have here. <laughs> Four hours of my life for one joke. <laughs> Worth it. It's a it. great film. It's a great episode, too. Go watch it. Okay. What's the funniest moments?
0: Robin Williams, when Robin Williams is Robin Williams, those are the funniest. I don't think there's anything that made me like laugh more than anything else but when he's just kind of let loose he's fun he's enjoyable yeah. to watch I, nothing no one bit stands out to me to be honest with you
1: the final scene of in the in bridges restaurant where he's switching back and forth and running back and forth and getting drunk and I love his back and forth with Robert prosky the the boss that that actor he, he does a great job where it's like ran into a, a girl I used to date, you know? And he's like, <laughs> maybe your girlfriend's got a girlfriend. Hey, it's the nineties. Like just all that back and forth is really, really funny. I got to stretch outside. Like just, I, I just always thought that was hilarious to be like this boss that you're so eager to impress. You, you have a few scotches and now you're just like, let's try to get some chicks out in the little, like it's just, it's, their little dynamic is really funny.
2: <laughs> you dog, you <laughs> scallywag.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think maybe the the line I thought was the funniest, that I would not have thought was as funny as a kid on this watch, was uh, her talking about having how Sally Field has a power tool in the bedroom, and then she says, she uses it and the lights dim. It's like a prison movie.
2: (laughs) She's got a power tool in the bedroom, dear. It's her personal jackhammer. She could break a sidewalk with that thing. She uses it in the light steam. It's like a prison movie.
0: That is really funny. I forgot about that. That 100% is super funny, but brings up something I did want to talk about. The thing I like the most about the film that's a very funny bit is that Robin Williams, his plight in the beginning of the film and throughout the film, the reason he gets the job at the end... And the reason he quits the job in the beginning is because he wants to create children's programming that doesn't talk down to children.
1: I think kids would like it.
2: They'd be entertaining, they get some information, too. Yeah, well, that's kind of my theory. I think you could, you know, you don't have to play down to them. You just play no. to them.
0: And this yeah. film does just that. This film is a film first. It's a family film that kids can enjoy. It is not talking down to its lowest audience member. And, yeah. and, and with bits like that, kids just may chuckle and they don't know why, but adults do. And that's okay. <laughs> and like, it's yeah. okay. No longer okay for those jokes to be in a, a children or family movie now. But I love that it was, that's meta to me. It was meta to me. That that was the of within the film and then the film executed on top of that in a, in a real way. I thought that was the best part of the film. I thought that was great. I was blown away with that.
1: I think it's a great point. That's a great point. It's a great observation that, that, his whole, that his whole mission is respecting children enough to level with them yeah. and, 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 and relate to them. And that's exactly what the film does. So that's brilliant. Great brilliant. job, Keith. Thank you. You're on fire. <laughs> Robin Williams uh, was uh, the first celebrity whose, whose uh, passing brought me to tears. The, the first, has a celebrity dying? Uh, let's end it on this positive note. Mm-hmm. Has any celebrity death ever made you cry?
0: <laughs> I was re- this is gonna sound stupid, but I was really sad when Tupac died. He I loved stupid. Tupac growing up, and I was really sad when he was gunned down. But Robin Williams was, was also up there. Uh, like, he was definitely someone I was- uh, was right before I went out to San Francisco. Right? That was yeah. like the time frame. It was like right around 2014, 13, like what was... Uh...
1: Yeah, it was right in there because we were just getting ready, working for the, the Giants to go on a playoff run. So it had to have been 2014 playoffs. And he had done the, he had done like the play ball speech or something like a, for one of the previous uh, championship runs. And so they brought his video back and played it on the giant screen and they had his three kids come to throw out the first pitch. And that was like surreal because the energy is through the roof anyways, because it's the fricking playoffs or the World Series or whatever it was at this time. And and they didn't even show the image at first, they just did his voice. So his voice just echoes throughout the ballpark, goes, good morning, San Francisco. And it was like (laughs) like, And then they bring up the image of him pumping it up. Really yeah. great, sad stuff.
0: Yeah, I remember that clip. Not not being there for it, I remember like his energy in that clip is alone <laughs> is, yeah. is is impressive. So I get yeah. teary. He loved San Francisco. That. He sure did. So it was a tragic, tragic loss.
1: Thanks for watching. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> Jonathan, does Jonathan close us out? Jonathan, close us out. We'll
0: bring some close life out. back Help into the show.
2: It. Some joy, God limp damn it. Limp to the finish line here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give us a smile on the way out. Ev, Keith, it's been a pleasure. I want to thank you guys for having me on the show, and uh, hope we can do it again sometime. Take care. Thanks for nothing, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>